meal, and I was kind of talking with some of the brethren. I think that may be the best one we've ever had. I don't know. Of course, I say that every time. But in case I fall asleep up here, just uh, either wake me up or just throw a cover over me. We're going to begin this evening in Genesis chapter 19. Genesis chapter 19, I want us to notice verses 23 through 26. 23 through 26. Moses writes, saying, The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And He overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Of course, when we get over to Luke chapter 17, verse 32, there's a very short verse there. It's about three words. Remember Lot's wife. In Luke 17, that passage is based upon an answer, or a question rather, that Jesus was asked. He was asked by the Pharisees about, the kingdom of God, this kingdom of God of which you've been talking. And of course, they were always uh, being sarcastic toward the Savior. One that you say is going to come. When is it going to come? What are going to be the signs of its coming? Because that's the way it was, wasn't it? Uh, A new uh, realm uh, would come in and, of course, they would come in. New leadership would come in with pomp and circumstance and... They wanted everyone to know who was the new king, who was the new authority in the area. And so these Pharisees, of course, being very worldly minded, wanted to know, well, what were the the uh, evidences of this new kingdom? What's going to be the pomp and the circumstance? Of course, in that chapter, Jesus said, oh, you just don't understand. The kingdom of God is going to come like a lightning flash. You know, you, you register a flash of lightning really after it's already gone, don't you? It happens and then you think to yourself, well, that was a lightning flash. It just all of a sudden out of nowhere, you weren't paying attention, and there was this flash of lightning. He talked about the punishment that was going to come upon Jerusalem, and that's part of what this context is about. He said it's like uh, in the days of Noah. People are going to be going about their daily business and all of a sudden it's going to come upon them. Chapter 17, he points back to Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities of the plain, how it was destroyed and said, oh, it's going to be like that when judgment comes upon Jerusalem. And I believe he's talking about A.D. 70 there. He's not talking about the establishment of the kingdom of God. Now, he said at the very beginning, he's talking about the kingdom of God is in you. Generally speaking, right, the kingdom of God is in the people. The church is made up of people. It's not a physical kingdom. And then he went on to talk about this destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70. He said, it's just going to happen all of a sudden. And then he says, in the midst of that teaching on the judgment of Israel and the establishment of the church of Christ, which happened on Pentecost, to those who were listening, he made that statement, remember Lot's wife. You don't know where else in the Bible? Nowhere we're told to remember Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. Have you ever thought about that nowhere in the Bible we're told to remember Rahab, Tamar? We're never told to remember Ruth or David or Joshua or 
Joseph or Solomon. We're not told to remember them anywhere. There's no direct commandment telling us to remember any of those people. But we are commanded to remember Lot's wife. Why was that? Well, of course, in that immediate context, in that immediate context, Jesus was wanting those who were listening to Him to uh, revive your sluggish memories, think about what's been going on, look back to the death of one soul who passed through this lifetime, who lived in sin, who died in sin, and is who no more, and, it, and who is no more. We're told to remember Lot's wife, but really, what is there to remember? Let's think about it. what is there to remember about Lot's wife. She was married to Lot. She lived in Sodom, and before God's judgment on the five cities of the plains, she and the rest of her family were commanded to get out of town. So, what else is there to remember about Lot's wife? We don't have a lot of information about her. Guess what? We don't even know her name. We know her in conjunction with Lot. But there was something else they were commanded though, wasn't there? They weren't just commanded to get out of town. Judgment's coming. They were commanded when you get out of town, don't even look back. And unlike Lot and the two daughters who escaped... She did look back. She looked back toward the plains. She disobeyed God. She was instantly judged. She was instantly killed. And she was instantly turned into a pillar of salt. Happened right now. It happened like lightning in the sky. It happened like in the days of Noah when the flood came. Everything was just normal. And all of a sudden the flood came and the world was destroyed. It happened just like in Sodom and Gomorrah. All of a sudden, everything was good, and now she's no more. That's exactly what happened, isn't it? Now, that's what we know. That's what we know about Lot's wife. But when we study the context of what happened in conjunction with what Jesus was talking about in Luke chapter 17, I think we can discover some other truths that we need to know. I think we can learn even more about her, how she lived, why she died, and why she died in the way in which she died. All of those things. I think there is a message here to the lost. There's a message to the saved. And this evening, I want us to consider Lot's wife and her spiritual condition. Now I want us to notice three areas concerning her spiritual condition. I want us to begin with her spiritual privileges. She had some spiritual privileges. And like a vast majority of those who have ever lived and those who will ever live, she did not take advantage of those. But first, she was privileged in her relationship, wasn't she? Who was she married to? Well, she's Lot's wife, right? That's how we know her. That's how she's designated. We We haven't been told her name. But she married into what seems like the only family in the world who was obeying God properly. Now we know that There were some other people. Uh, Abraham himself, he ran into the uh, Melchizedek, the priest, who was God's priest. He was obviously obeying God properly. But what other family do we read about in, uh, in Genesis at that time that was obeying God? Well, God told Abraham, get out of Ur because no one else is obeying him. You have to get out of that idolatrous nation. Go somewhere where I'll tell you. So she was fortunate to be married into the 
family that appears to be one of the only ones worshiping God properly. Here's another aspect of her privilege in relationship. She very well knew about the faith of Abraham, didn't she? We read about Abraham's faith, James 2, verse 23. James referred to him as the man who was called the friend of God. Isn't that a compliment? Can you imagine being considered by God to be his close personal friend? That was Abraham. Was Abraham perfect? Absolutely not. He was not perfect. But he strove to be perfect. And when he messed up, he, uh, he took care of that. So she knew about Abraham because that was her husband's uncle. She married into that family. She witnessed his dedication to God. And she knew what that meant. She saw the things that Abraham did because he loved God and he obeyed God. She had seen the altars. She had seen the worship. She had seen him operate with the power of God. We go back to Genesis 14. It was Abraham and his personal army who went and saved her and her husband from, from certain death when they were kidnapped by those kings of the plain. And it was a privilege for her to be associated with God's people through her relationships. But she was also a witness of her husband's faith, wasn't she? Now Lot, we can look at Lot, and <clears throat> Lot is a, is a confusing, to me, individual. I look at the things that Lot did, and I, and I have a difficult time with that. But I know whatever he did, and whatever he did wrong, and, and he did some things wrong, that he was a righteous man, Second Peter 2, 6-8. through 8. He had some spiritual failures. He had some problems in his life. He didn't pay attention like he should have a lot of the time, but he strove to be what God wanted him to be, and we see that in the account of his life. Now, we don't have a lot of information about Lot either. We read about him in Genesis 13 and 14, but it doesn't go into great detail. We know a lot more about Abraham, a lot more about Isaac and Jacob and Esau and those other folks. But she saw that great faith in his, and his wife could have benefited from his great faith. But she chose not to. She was privileged to have learned direct knowledge from God. That's right. She received direct knowledge from God because of those relationships. She knew how to approach God. She had seen Abraham do it. She knew how to worship God. She had seen her husband do it. She knew what... God needed and wanted and expected, and she ignored all of that. But she was still privileged in her relationships. But she never took advantage of that direct knowledge. Do you know that she didn't even pay attention when God sent two angels to tell her, her husband, her two daughters that were not married, her other daughters who were married, and how many ever sons-in-law she had that they needed to get out of the city? And she didn't take advantage of that. She just could not separate herself from Sodom. She wasn't able to do it. People are in the same situation today, aren't they? Now listen, we're not going to have a direct message from God today. God's not going to send angels. And there are a lot of denominations in the world who say that He has done that. God is out of the business of sending additional revelation. He ended that when the New Testament was compiled and finished. And He left us what we needed to know. So we're not going to have a direct revelation from God. He's not going to say you need to do this or you need to do that. Why? He's already said it. 
He's already said it. He's told us directly what we need to do, and He expects us to listen. But how many people do that? Well, a vast majority of the world are just like Lot's wife, ignoring the direct communication. I think it's important to understand, though, that just because we have a relationship and a privilege to have a relationship with someone who is a member of God's people, or maybe we know families and are part of families who are members of God's people, that's not what saves us. Faithful obedience to Jesus saves us. Obedience to the plan of salvation, believing what we, what we hear and read about Jesus, repenting of past sins, making that confession, and we talked about that this morning, uh, Jesus being the Son of God, leading us to salvation, and then being immersed, being baptized into Jesus, Galatians 3, 26 and 27. That's how we become saved. And then we maintain that salvation by maintaining our faithfulness. That's how we're saved. But there's still a privilege in having relationships with people who are God's people. And we need to take advantage of those relationships. See, Lot's wife didn't do that. Parents, grandparents, children, friends, co-workers. We have opportunities every single day to impact someone's life and to help them understand more about Jesus. She was privileged because of her relationship with those of God's people, but she was also privileged because of the responsibilities that God gave her. Now let's think about that. Let that soak in for just a moment. She had some responsibilities, but it was a privilege. She knew the facts, and she was given an opportunity to act upon them. That's a big responsibility, isn't it? But at the same time, it is a privilege. She was given a chance to change, change the chance to believe God, the chance to be saved, but she squandered all of those chances, and she died without God. It's a privileged responsibility when God gives us a responsibility because it's a necessary command, right? God doesn't ask us to do anything that's not necessary. Everything He's asked us to do is something that is required for our eternal salvation. Paul told those in Athens, Acts 17, beginning with verse 30, In the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because He hath appointed a day in which He will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. It is our responsibility as people of this world, not, not as just simply Christians, it's our responsibility of being a human living in this world to repent at God's message and turn to Him. That's a responsibility, and it is a privileged responsibility. Why? Because God was never obligated to do that in the first place. He was never obligated to give us that opportunity, but He did. I think it's easy to see the spiritual privileges that Lot's wife ignored. And because of that, that brought about some spiritual problems. That's our second point. She had a lot of problems, and we're just going to notice a few. She had a problem with her faith, didn't, didn't she? Well, we might call that disbelief. Here's the bottom line. She did not believe that God would do what He said He'd do, period. She looked back because she thought God would not do what He said He would do. 
Someone said, that's impossible. She saw the interaction of Abraham and God. She saw the interaction between Lot and, and God. She saw how Abraham, by the power of God, rescued them. It doesn't matter. She did not believe God. Because, how do we know? She didn't obey Him. She didn't obey Him. If someone believes what you say, they'll do it. Right? Now, you either don't believe or you don't care. Now, I think very few people in the world don't care about their lives. (laughs) This is a lot different, isn't it? She did not believe. I think she thought God didn't mean it. I don't think that in her mind she could have could have fathomed God destroying those great cities of the plain. The world has 7 billion people. More than 7 billion people and almost 100% of them do not believe God. They do not believe that He's going to bring judgment upon the disobedient. They do not believe that He will punish someone for all eternity. Now consider that. God says obey the gospel. Does the world believe it? Nowhere near. God says live a faithful life. And then you can expect a crown of righteousness. 2 Timothy 4, 6-8. through 8. Does the world believe it? Not even close. We run into people who claim to be Christians. Do they believe that God will do what He says? Not all of them, don't. Not all of them. If they did, and if the world did, there would be more than 7 billion Christians walking around, living a life that God wants them to live. Instead, they live a life the way they want to. She had a problem with her faith. She also had a problem with her face. We might call that disobedience. She could not keep it pointed in the right direction. It was impossible, wasn't it? She, along with the rest of her family, were commanded, don't look back. Don't turn your face back towards Sodom. They were leaving the city, and at some point between leaving Sodom and reaching safety, she could not help herself, and she turned her face toward the city. I think she was looking back at a lost life, a lost lifestyle, and a lost city. I think there was something in Sodom of her that she could not bring with her. She liked living in Sodom. We don't know a lot about her, but we know she was disobedient. God punished her with death. She could not keep her face pointed where it needed to be. We go in the directions we fix our eyes, don't we? Have you ever tried walking somewhere and looking the opposite direction? It doesn't work out very often, does it? It doesn't work out very often. We usually have uh, some kind of a problem with that, right? Isn't that what happened to Peter? Matthew 14, verse 30. They're in the boat. There's this storm coming. They think a ghost is coming upon them. They thought it was a spirit. And Jesus said, fear not, it is I. And You recall Peter, he said, well, if it's you, Lord, bid me come to you. He said, okay. Peter walked on the water. Have you ever heard someone say there's only one person ever walked on the water? Peter walked on the water for just a step or two, right? And then, instead of turning his face toward Jesus, he began to listen to the wind. He watched the waves. He saw the tumult. He saw the the weather. He saw the crashing. He He began to become afraid. 
And he stopped turning his face toward Jesus. And he began to sink. Lord, save me. And of course, Jesus did. One of the problems of Lot's wife was her body was out of Sodom, but Sodom was not out of her. It's an issue, isn't it? People like that are in the world. People who claim Christ, they've, they've taken their body, so to speak, out of sin, but they can't get sin out of themselves. That's a problem. And that's something that has to be addressed. You know what Satan wants us to believe? He says, that's okay. You're pretty good. You're doing okay. You're not like the person who's murdering someone. You're not like the person who can never tell the truth. You're not like the person who steals. You're just simply kind of doing your own thing. You're not really bothering anyone else. Satan wants us to believe that's okay. And as long as we're pretty good, he says, well, you're all right. Brethren, I think we all know there is a difference between claiming Christ and being a Christian. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Christians become a new creature. Here's the problem with people who only claim Christ. They make no effort to change their lifestyles to fit what God commands. The new creature does that. Lot's wife just could not fit herself into God's plans. You know, she couldn't shoehorn herself into what God wanted her to do. Okay, I'm going to get out of Sodom. Her husband, her daughters were leaving. Okay, so we're, we're going to go. Well, don't look back. Don't turn your face towards Sodom. And she couldn't stop because something was in Sodom and she wanted to be there. Lot's wife had spiritual privileges that she ignored. Because of that, she had spiritual problems which resulted in her spiritual punishment. That's our third and final point. Her punishment was sudden. God doesn't waste time in anything. He does not waste energy. He does not waste time. He does not waste focus. And when it comes judgment, when judgment comes from God, it comes swift, it comes now, and it happens immediately, right? And it is sure. Notice what Solomon said, Proverbs 29, verse 1. He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. One may walk a lifetime in sin, but when judgment comes, it will come swiftly and there will be no recourse for salvation. Because there's going to come a time when salvation, when repentance is no longer offered. It's not going to, we're not going to have the opportunity for that. That's why the writer of Hebrews warned. Hebrews 10 beginning with verse 28. He said, He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore a punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden under the foot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace for we know him that hath said vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense saith the Lord and again the Lord shall judge his people. Here it is. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. There is only one shelter for a person's soul, and that is in the very hand of God. And that's why Peter made this statement, Romans 5, beginning with verse 6, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. 
For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare die. But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Those are the most beautiful words the world has ever heard. Yet the non-penitent cannot take advantage of it. Because they cannot fit themselves into God's will. Lot's wife's punishment was sudden. And it was serious. It was serious, wasn't it? She was turned into a pillar of salt instantly. When God passes judgment, the person will be swallowed up and perish in God's wrath. That's not what we want. That doesn't have to be the case. Lot's wife didn't have to die. She didn't have to be swallowed up in God's wrath. Here's what the disobedient and the non-believer are going to learn. I think this is one of the greatest things. I don't know if that's the correct adjective. Maybe this is one of the most important things we can learn when we remember Lot's wife. In spite of disobedience and in spite of unbelief, God's judgment will come all the same. The atheist says, I don't believe in God. Okay. God's judgment is still going to come. A person says, I'm not going to obey God. Okay. God's judgment is still going to come. We cannot stop God in what He has planned. It's not going to be a pillar of salt for the rest of us. But it will be an eternity in hell for those who are not prepared to meet God. The psalmist declared, Psalm 9 verse 17, The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. For Lot's wife, there would be no pardons. For Lot's wife, there would be no second chances. And for Lot's wife, there was no hope. It was over. It was finished. It was complete. She was lost eternally and nothing could be done to save her. So what do we take away from remembering Lot's wife? Today is the day of salvation, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2. Not when judgment comes. When judgment comes, it's too late. All we're going to have is judgment. We better remember Lot's wife. Not so we can revive an ages old painful account of someone who lost her soul, but so we can be reminded of her mistakes, ensuring that we do not make the same ones. Remembering Lot's wife. As we pass through this world, we can do no better thing than to be obedient to the gospel plan of salvation. We talked about how to do that. Faith and repentance, confession, immersion in water, faithful living. With all that in mind, we close on this. Hell is real. Judgment is real. Death is real. And we must remember Lot's wife. If you need to answer the Lord's invitation this time, let that be known as we stand and as we sing.